everybody out there, welcome to KOG, Kingdom of God Ministries here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our pastors are Jeffrey and Ingrid Sandage, and we appreciate you tuning in today. We hope that you enjoyed the message just as much as we did in service. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let you get to the message. So enjoy. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Can we clap like we really believe we will fail? situation, God won't fail. No matter how it looks, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your mama say, your daddy say, cousin BB, cousin CC, don't matter. You knew she was negative, so don't even listen. He won't fail. All right, y'all ready to dive into the word? Yes, sir. All right. Um, before I dive into the word, I need you to do something. It might seem a little awkward. It might seem a little awkward. I want you to take your right hand and put it on your left shoulder. Thank you, thank you. All right, now take that same hand, put it down by your right hip. Go ahead, move that hand. All right, you officially buckled up, so it's time to go. All right. I appreciate y'all for participating. You buckled up, so you're good. Don't worry, God got you. Wigs ain't gonna fly off. Papers ain't gonna fly out the window. You're gonna go on a ride with Jesus. It's gonna be alright. Um, our text for today, we're gonna look at Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, a familiar passage. Um, but hopefully we hear it in a new way. With fresh ears. Ezekiel 37, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. If you'd like to stand for the hearing of the word, you're more than able to do so. I ain't going to stop you. If you're there with me, say I'm there. I'm there. All right, there we go. Ezekiel 37, verse 1 starts, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me. And brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you uh-huh. and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, yeah. cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Okay. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Yeah. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise uh-huh. and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. 
Indeed, as I looked, the sinews in the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your grave. Verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Says the Lord. Amen. We thank God for his word. The title of this, this lesson today, because I'm just teaching, is Can These Dry Bones Living In? And I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we'll get started. Dear God, help us see the dry bones live again. Help us, Lord. Amen. We don't need no more than that. We're going to get straight to the point. Um, I just thank God for this word. I tried to prepare for this word. I was gone this weekend, uh, spent some time with some friends, um, and I was trying to study this word and different things. I've been studying this word for two weeks now um, because originally Pastor Jeff asked me, um, about two weeks ago to uh, preach, and I didn't know when I would preach, but God said this weekend. Um, and I'm thankful that it came after getting some rest this weekend. Um, I don't know if I can really call it rest. Um, I haven't hooped in about three or four months, but <laughs> yesterday we played about 85 games of 21. We was hooping from 9.30 in the morning to 12 noon. Um, and so a brother's body is... It's hurt, but these dry bones shall live. <laughs> <Come on, dry bones. laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, I'm just thankful for the word that he's given. And when I was looking over this word, he said that this word would be a word of restoration. Come on, yeah. That this word will be a word of redemption. Come on, come on. That this word will be a resurrecting word. Amen. Mark Batterson talks about two degrees of faith. The first one he talks about a preventative faith. This is when we pray. We say, God, you know, I hope I don't get into a car wreck. God, please don't let them fire me. Please don't do this. You pray about the things that are to come. It's the first degree of faith. But then he has the second degree of faith, the resurrected faith. The faith that though I may be going through this situation, I know that he can still bring me out. The same faith that three little Hebrew boys encountered in a furnace. This same faith is one that we must graduate to. The words that God has been giving me is interesting because when I preach up here, he will give me words of obedience. Um, and this word is the next step. After obedience, what's next? But some of us, to get to the place where we can be obedient, we got to come out of what our, our disobedience led us to. Some of us are in the valley of dry bones. And we're still trying to come out. So first, we got to understand that because... I, I can't talk to you about being a millionaire when you're a $1 heir. Come on. Come on. 
We got to at least graduate to you to fifty dollars. Then we can multiply and we keep continuing to teach you how to keep those things. And, and there's wealth within the word. Yeah. It may not be financial wealth, but there's wealth in the word. And so when I was thinking about this word, I thought about uh, when I was in high school, I got tested for sleep apnea. If you don't know what sleep apnea is, it's where you kind of stop breathing in your sleep. Um, you see it sometimes amongst people who snore a lot, um, things like that. I am a snore. Um, <laughs> yeah, there we go, Brother Daylon. Thank you for letting me not be alone. Um, <laughs> um, but I got tested for it. They said I didn't have it. But uh, when I went to college, my roommate, uh, my freshman year, he was on the football team, things like that. We kind of had a deal worked out um, because I was a snorer. There was some give and take. Um, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to blast him out. But uh, we, we had a deal where he would deal with my snoring if I could deal with his farts. Um, when I tell you it was bad, it was bad. Uh, it, it was just, you know, smell that like it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, but he dealt with my snoring because I dealt with him farts. It was a trade-off. Um, but I, I never forget. <laughs> I never forget. One one night I went to sleep, and then the next morning I woke up. He was like, "Dude," I was like, "What? Why are you looking so serious?" He's like, "Bro, I thought you died last night." I was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "I'm so used to you snoring that." In the middle of the night, you stopped snoring, and I ain't hear nothing for a few minutes. I thought you was dead. He was like, I ain't hear nothing. You wasn't moving. I almost put my finger up under your nose just to see if there was some breath in there. He was like, but I thought you died, and then out of nowhere, you kick-started again. And I heard the snoring again. And when I thought about this, there are some of us that we have life in Christ, but we sometimes display symptoms of not being alive. There are some of us, we, we, we aren't showing symptoms of being alive in our finances. We aren't showing symptoms of being alive in our relationships. We aren't showing symptoms of being alive in our walk, in our daily reading. Different things. We're showing death instead of life. And it's seeming as if there is no breath within us. So the question I want us to answer today is how do we get back to the land of the living? How do we start to live again like we are not the walking dead? Ezekiel shows us what it takes to get back to the land of the living and how we can live for God. A snapshot of this book. This book takes place as the prophet Ezekiel. This is kind of an autobiographical uh, format of one of the prophets. And he, this takes place after five years into the Babylonian exile. Um, what happened was the Israelites, they had split into two groups. Um, this was after the reign of Solomon. Um, I think I believe the guy's name Jeroboam. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, um, but he was the one that took over after him. Um, and then there was a split because of taxes and different things like that. So now God's people were divided into two. But originally, God already said that this would happen because of their disobedience, because they started to praise idols. Even Solomon, the wisest man in the world, started to build temples to idols instead of the one who gave him the wisdom. So at this point, it's the reign of Jehoiachin, um, and then we know Ezekiel was a prophet and, prophet, and in his book, he's getting all these prophetic visions. He says, I saw the Lord come to me, and different things like that. Um, and in Ezekiel 37, this is one of those visions, which is why he said, the hand of the Lord came upon me, 
and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. He was, he was getting a prophetic vision from God. And for us to understand what it takes for the dry bones to live again, we must first understand who do the dry bones represent? Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at that. Let's look at verse 11. Verse 11, Ezekiel 37, 11. It says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. So the dry bones represent the people of Israel, God's people, the people that was supposed to be his ace bone coon. But, you know, yet they weren't listening to him. The other voices, other idols were stronger. And then they're in a place where they feel like they're in death. And I had to look at it for us, because when you look at the Old Testament, of course, it's not talking about after Jesus came and different things like that. So some people dismiss it. But the thing that we can take pride in is that the character of God remains the same. The character of the one who delivered Joshua, who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, is the same. And so we can, we can relate that to our lives because he is the same and not changing. And so when we look at this, what does the death represent? When I was studying this, God gave me something. He said, death for the believer is a fractured intimacy with God. Death for the believer is fractured intimacy with God. Many of us are the same as the Israelites. They're in a place where they feel cut off from God. They feel like he ain't even listening to us. It says in that same verse, it says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. They have no hope. We ourselves are cut off. God was in their midst, and yet they felt like they were cut off. There are many of us that come to church every Sunday with his presence here, but we feel cut off. There are many of us, he's in your home sitting right next to you on the couch, and yet you feel cut off. But the thing is, he's desiring that intimacy with us. So they're in this place where they feel cut off from God. And this is just a direct consequence of their disobedience. Let's look at their disobedience. Ezekiel 5, 5 through 17. Ezekiel 5, 5 through 17. Let's look at that. Ezekiel 5, 5 through 17. It says, thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations. And the country's all around her. She has rebelled against my judgments. What were they doing? Rebelling against his judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes, more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgments and they have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience. They weren't disobedient disobedient once. They multiplied the disobedience. There are some of us in here that have multiplied the disobedience. Uh, to God, He told you not not to drink anymore, but yet you've gone out ten times, and each time He said, "Don't drink when you go out." And that might not relate to y'all, but I was that person, so I'll go ahead and say Amen for myself. Um, and then it says after that, more than the nations that are all around you have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that are all around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, indeed, I, even I am against you and will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. So he ain't just going to judge you in private. He he don't let everybody see because he wants you to be an example of uh, obedience. 
He don't want you to be the example of disobedience because it's kind of like when you're in the store with your mama. Where you where you do the crime is where you do the time. And that time might come with a little leather assistance. <laughs> you want to act out in public, I'm going to show you in public. <laughs> and I will do among you what I have never done. And the like of which I will never do again because of all your abominations. It disgusts God so much that he called it an abomination. Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst, and sons shall eat their fathers. And I will execute judgments among you, and all of you who remain, I will scatter you to all the winds. I'm going to stop right there. So this situation is just bad. Yeah. Ain't no good. Right. <laughs> Ain't no good. And then he even goes on. Let's look at uh, chapter 6, 1 through 7. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. And say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines, and to the valleys. Indeed, I, even I, will bring a sword against you, and I will destroy your high places. Then your altars shall be desolate. Your incense altars shall be broken. And I will cast down your slain men before your idols. I don't even got to go further than that. Those places were used to worship him. And at this point, he said, even your worship ain't worthy because of what you've been doing. Yeah, yeah. There are some of us that can't even give God a proper praise yeah. because we've been doing some things that he's been trying to get us to stop doing. Yeah. Most of us, we're supposed to give him a divine sacrifice, one that is pristine, the best of the best, but yet it's been tainted. Yeah, we're giving him the bananas with all the brown spots, but yet keeping the, the right banana for ourselves. We're giving him worship and sacrifices with blemish. I'll spend time with you, Lord, in the morning, but if I do that, I'm only giving you five minutes. But then the rest of the 25 minutes that you had to spend with him, you're on social media. And all he asked was, I just want to spend a little more time with you, idol. But I give Instagram my time. It's crazy. So true. So true. Now, Israel was in a place of separation, not because God had forsaken them. He didn't leave them this whole time. And the reason that we know this is because when we look at Daniel, when he was in the lion's den, he was safe. When we look at the three Hebrew boys, they went in the furnace and somebody was in there with them. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, now I know my math ain't off. The math ain't math. Then who the fourth guy in there? But yet God was still with him. But they had stopped worshiping him and began to worship their idols. And the thing is, some of us feel cut off from God and we can't hear God and we can't see God moving because we started to try to dethrone him from the place in our lives. We stopped listening to his word, the same word that brought us out of an Egypt situation, the same word that prompted Joshua to be courageous enough to ask the Lord to let the sun stand still. And now we are living as dry bones in the grave. He called you to abundance, but yet you living amongst the dust. The grave is not just a place of death, but it's a place of divine humbling. Because the thing is, God didn't leave them because he didn't want to forsake them. He didn't want to let them feel like God is just done with us. But they wouldn't even listen when he sent prophets to warn them. So what did he have to do? He had to put something on their seat of understanding, as my mom calls it. He had to go ahead and let them experience what it's like. 
to follow the path that you follow. You want to be led by all these different idols and things like that. So I'm going to let you see what it's like to live with your idols. And if, if, if we really be honest, because of grace, we haven't really been led by our idols. Because of God's grace, he's kept us. He's put the training wheels on us to not go into that season. To where you should have been in a season of relational death, financial death, and all these different things. But yet you're thriving. And he's still trying to give you the word. He's still trying to warn you and bring you out. So will you listen? It is where God is trying to resurrect us back to his will. And when we go into the graves, we have to think about this. Yes, with Israel, they were in a dead season because of their sin. They were in a dead season because of their disobedience. But there are some of us that are in some seasons because of some other things. Sometimes we're doing good things, but not what's best. It's good for you to serve inside the church, but if God is calling you to be at home with your family as the man in the house, you're being disobedient. You want to get up and preach when God has told you to sit down. He didn't say forever. He just said, give me this, this season right here. But yet we want to be disobedient because we feel like it's a good thing. We want that badge of honor. Look, Lord, I'm doing this for you. But really, you feeding those internal things inside of you. That insecurity that your daddy not being home left. Hallelujah. You want to sit there and that. Help us, Lord. So we got to start doing what's best. Also, when we look at different things, there were some people that were in captivity that they didn't even do nothing. There were some people that was probably children's babies and all those different things. What did they do to anger the Lord? They didn't do anything. But yet they still had to go through the captivity. Yeah. I, I was talking to Eric uh, probably about a week ago and I was telling him, I don't understand how Joshua and Caleb didn't square up with Moses. Right. At that point, <laughs> I understand that's, that's following his leadership. But we got to the point we were trying to get to. We came out of Egypt. We finally at the gates. But yet, I got to go through 40 years with y'all in this wilderness because y'all didn't believe me when I said this is what God said. Yeah. This is the promised land. Yeah. And there are some of us that are going through those different things. There's some of us, because of our daddy's mistakes, our mama's mistakes, you're still going through certain things that you shouldn't be going through. Because the thing is, in the grave, some of us have been through situations where people have done us wrong. You've been, you've been done wrong by family members, that uncle that you know ain't right, and your mama still don't believe you about it. So you're still in the grave not believing God, not following God, because you can't get through that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the thing is, we have to eventually come out of that season. We got to ask God to make these dry bones live again. I can't trust because I couldn't trust family members. I thought I was safe with my mama's boyfriend, but I wasn't. And she didn't trust me enough, so I don't trust her. Therefore, I can't trust God because that's the one he put over me. But it's time. With this word, God is saying it's time. It is time. And many of us, we just, we, we, we be in a, a grave situation because there's some places that we've gone that God didn't call us to. Mm-hmm. When I think about it, I think about uh, service providers. Yeah. Cell phone service providers. Mm-hmm. I get the question all the time in the store when people, they'll be on cricket or something like that. <laughs> and uh, they'll come and ask me, I want to switch so I can finance my phone monthly. And which which carrier should I go with? 
I'm like, I don't know. Whichever one you want. Depends on what your pocket's looking like, what area you live in. Some service is better in certain areas. But the thing is, when I looked at that, I have to ask them to look at the map and see where they're covered. Are, are you covered where you live currently? Come on. When you think about who your provision comes from, are you covered where you are currently? I think about that, that old person that comes in the store and they ain't got no service on their phone and they sitting there like this. I really want to tell them that don't work, but you know, they sitting there like that. But there are some of us that we're connected to God, but we've gone into some dead spots. We're connected to God, but he's telling us not to go a certain route, not to be with a certain person. All these different things, and yet you stepped into it. Knowing fully well that service was not provided in that area. It's time for us to go ahead and get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. So if we look at this, some of us are the dry bones along with Israel, sitting in this dusty grave. This place, we've already addressed while we're there. I'm sure something came to mind while I was listing, listing things off. Yeah. And even if you ain't in a grave situation, you know somebody who is. So go ahead and take notes for them. The next thing that we have to look at is how do we get out the grave? We know that we're in a grave. We know who we are. We know why we're there. We know why Israel's there. But how do we get out the grave? How do we get an example of getting out of the grave, out of the valley of dry bones from this Ezekiel? When we look at this, let's look at what he tells Ezekiel first. I'm going to start back at uh, 37, verse 1. Let's go back there real quick. Ezekiel 37, verse 1, again. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel's response was, oh Lord, you know. Some of us, we have to get to a place of, oh Lord, you know. Uh, because there are some situations that you might not know what's going to happen. You want to get out of the grave, but you just don't feel like it's possible. It's impossible. But when you say, oh, Lord, God, you know, you're leaving it in his hands. It's time for us to stop trying to get out of the grave alone. Because there are some of us that's trying to get out of the grave, but our hands are full. God is calling you to climb up out, but you, you got a Macy's bag full of stuff in your hand. God is calling you into, into the right thing, the thing that he's called you to, the thing that he's promised you, but yet you can't climb out because you want to do it on your strength alone when he's sitting there with a ladder right by you. Wow. But you want to stay in the pit yeah. and use your own muscles. My God. Wow. And then verse 4, again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh -huh. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When we look at this, what was the first thing that happened? The word was given. The word of God is the first step to getting out of the grave. It's different ways about it, though. There's some words that God has spoken to you 
And there's some words that are already in his word that you know you're supposed to be practicing and doing. But a lot of us don't cling to his word. A lot of us just look at his word as another option. I'm going to just put his his word in a a Russian roulette situation. I'm going to go ahead and and I I put his word here. I put my mama word here. I put my boss word here and then I'm going to spin it. And when I pull the trigger, we're going to see what comes out. But the thing is, he is plan A without no plan B. His word is the first thing that you should be going to. When Ezekiel said, oh, Lord God, you know, the Lord answered. And then he told him to prophesy. The words that Ezekiel spoke didn't come from him. It came from God. Sometimes the words that you need to speak over your situation ain't come from you. It came from God. When Moses had to go and deliver the Israelites, it didn't come from him. God said, I will put my words in your mouth and then the people shall be free. I will tell you what to say to say, uh, the, uh, Pharaoh. Uh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> when Satan tempted Jesus, what did he do? It is written. Even when we look at all of these different things, every vision that Ezekiel was getting, the Lord told him something. It was a word attached to it. Ezekiel was just a vessel for obedience. He went through some situations. His wife died. Me and Pastor Jeff was talking about this earlier. He had to eat food that was barbecued on poop, y'all. Yeah, it's in there. That's why I said you want to watch Power and read the Bible. There's some stuff in there that'd be crazy. But... He had to do all these different things. But it all started with the word from God. This was in a hopeless situation. It didn't make sense that these people would be resurrected after their disobedience. But yet, a word from God came. That's what puts it into action. The word is the activation. Because even, uh, let's go back to Genesis. Let's, Let's look at Genesis. Because I want you to see that it's been that way from the beginning. Let's look at Genesis 1. Genesis 1. And then we'll go back to Ezekiel. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God wasn't even moving yet. It didn't even start to do things yet. Things were still without form. There was still void. There was still darkness. But yet, verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. There are some of us that are in situations where there's a void. There is darkness, and all these different things around you. But once God gives the word, things start to happen. Things start to shake up. Things start to improve. Things start to move. Things that you've been stagnant in your life with God, but yet things are moving now. Verse 7 of uh, Ezekiel 37 says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. He was obedient. And as I prophesied, gave the word of God, there was a noise. And suddenly a rattling. Some of us are at the rattling stage. And I just need you to keep on prophesying. Keep on speaking the things that God is telling you to speak. The rattling is here, but next thing you know, bone and bone start to come together. Flesh start to be on that bone. The sinews, that's the tissue that's up under the skin. Those are the things, even down to the molecular level, things are happening. Things are changing. You might not see it now, but God is moving. Just because he gave a word. 
Don't discredit his word. There's some of us that he gave us a word, and you like, that's it? I wanted you to go ahead and make her apologize to me. But he gave a word. Are you going to trust for it? Are you going to take the position of, oh, Lord God, you know? <laughs> These are the things that we see. He gave a word, and then it happened. And the crazy thing is God, he, he already told him exactly what would happen, but it's still remarkable to see it come into play. Because he told him that these things were happening, but the way that they describe it, you just like feel like you're watching a movie or something like that. I think back to X-Men when, when Logan was trying to save Jean. She was the phoenix. His flesh was being ripped off of him. But the next thing we know, it came back because he had that healing factor. But I want you to know that the word... When God gives a word, it can be a healing factor. You might have been ripped down to the bone. You might be in the dust amongst the dead. But yet, God is giving you that healing factor because he gave you a word. And this is this this even plays into creation. And I'll read this next part so that we get that. It says in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. There was something missing. Yeah. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Uh-huh. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me in breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. There are some of us, we've gone through this situation where God is forming us. He started to form you in this situation to bring you out. But yet there's one more thing that he wants to give you before you're done. He wants to give you his breath. And when I look at this, I think about Genesis 2 verse 7. Genesis 2 verse 7. This is when he formed man. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So he wasn't a living being before he got the breath. There are some of us, you, you, you are in the stage of forming and you see things happening. You can see it on the horizon and you're wondering, God, when is it going to happen for me? When am I going to get out of this pit of death? And yet it's because of his spirit. His breath. Once you live by his spirit, Brother Mark talked about you can't live without living by his spirit, walking with his spirit, obeying his spirit to get to where he wants you to be. There are some of us that we've heard the word and we show up in church and we just form, but we haven't began to walk. There are some of us that we're still in the womb and God is trying to push you out. So it's time for you to go ahead and tell your neighbor, come on out. There are some of us that need to go ahead and come on out. Because God is calling us out. But the thing is, we can't live without his spirit. We can't walk out the things that he's telling us to do without his spirit. It takes his spirit to get you through that period where you wait. We got to be like Abraham. It says Abraham hoped against hope. I hope against the hope that everybody else got. I hope against the hope that tell me it ain't going to work out if I see this. Because even Abraham said, in my old age, 
I got gray hair, matter of fact, it might be dust now to fall off. But yet he still was able to bear a son that will save the nations. He was still able to do things that, that people didn't think he would be able to do according to the standard of the world. There are some of us that have been listening to the world, made an idol out of the world. But yet God is giving you the word and telling you to walk by his spirit so that you can be counterculture. He didn't call you to fit in. He didn't call you to do it the way your mama did it. It's like cooking macaroni and cheese. You know your mama macaroni and cheese wasn't all that. Well, you had that ingredient, it might be fire. I had a family, I, never mind, I ain't gonna give it that. Well. I'll leave macaroni and cheese alone. <laughs> Tastes like water. Um, but anyway, <laughs> God is calling us to some things. But we gotta begin to walk this out. We have to be filled with his spirit. And, and the, the motivation that I get from seeing that in Genesis than seeing that here is that if he did it before, he can do it again. There are some of us that we were walking with God, we were walking by his spirit, but because of church hurt, but because of hurt from other places, but because of our disobedience, we felt cut off. Now we're in the valley of dry bones, but God is resurrecting you. And if he did it before, he can do it again. Because the potter is the one that molds the clay and then he fills the vessel. <laughs> a, a pot can't fulfill its purpose if it's just a vessel with nothing in it. A pot ain't made to just look pretty on the shelf. It's made to hold something. It's made to contain something. It's, 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 it's able to lift something higher. But yet you letting shame make you an empty vessel. And it's time to come out. He didn't call you to just be on the shelf. He said a city can't be hidden on the hill. We the salt and the light. It's time to act like it. You sitting here shining amongst light when he told you to shine amongst darkness. It's time to come on out. It's time to come on out. Because he's trying to do a great thing. Yes, he is. He's trying to do a great thing. Yes, he is. Come on. Because God has been with the people of Israel, even when they split, even when they wasn't doing what, he was, what they were supposed to do. And he said, I've called you the greater. Can you just trust me and do the greater? And there are many of us that are looking at him like, I, I want to trust you, but I just, I, I can't, God. I want to trust you. I want to walk this thing out. I know you're calling me to it. I know you're calling me to this place. I know you're calling me to this person. I know you're calling me to do outreach. But I, I just can't do it. But the thing is, all you need is his word and his spirit. And that's when you become that living being. Because we who were once dead in Christ or dead in sin have become living with Christ. So the question to you today is, will you Will you trust his word and will you trust his spirit? Mm, that's good. After this prophecy that he gave Ezekiel, he started to tell him about what would happen when restoration would come. Um, if you ever get a chance, I, I urge you to read Ezekiel so that you can see everything. The beginning of it is a little hard because God is telling Ezekiel to write diss tracks uh, to the Israelites. But he bring them back and say, you know, y'all did me wrong, but it's okay. We're going to get back together. And he tells them that although they are split, he's going to unite his house. 
He's going to bring his house back together. Yeah. And he's going to put them up under the servant David. Yeah. Now, at this point, if you read this, you're going to be thinking, all right, David that came and left. Yeah. His sons have already ruled. Uh-huh. How is he going to be up under the son of David? Well, there was another son that was in that line, that lineage of David, that he's already given to us that will unite everyone. And he tells them, it won't only be you. I'm going to go to all the world. You were living amongst the Gentiles, and so I'm going to save them too just because they're in your presence. And so there are some of us that God is trying to unite and get us back. We're in the house torn apart, which is why Sunday is one of the most segregated days. When the house torn apart. But he's going to bring us back together. He's going to bring us back together. And when I think about this, I think about Ephesians 2. If we can look at that real quick. Ephesians 2, 1 through 8. And I'm almost done. Ephesians 2, 1 through 8. Oh, you already got that. Appreciate you, Peter. And you he made alive. Who are dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's the disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. In the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Just as the others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, you in that valley, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together. Not only did he save you, he raised you up and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God is still trying to bring us closer to him. And I just gave you some Old Testament and some New Testament. So it's consistent throughout. Don't think that this message is just for a certain group of people. It's still at work today. He's still trying to save us. It ain't too late. Even that person you've been praying for but ain't seen no progress, he's still trying to save them. Even relationships that you once had with family members, he's still trying to save it. Because of his power of grace. It ain't got nothing to do with us. Which is why we got to take that position. Oh Lord God. You know. I wish we would go ahead and say that in some situations to where you're praying about some things and and you want to doubt, but yet you can say, oh, Lord God, you know. Say it just like Shannon. She did a hand. I can't do it. I ain't got the... (laughs) Say it just like Shannon. Oh, Lord God, you know. I'm going to share one more thing and I'm done. There was a, a pastor. He's from Sweden. His name is uh, Jochen. I ain't gonna try to pronounce his last name because I'm a butcher. Um, he preached at Embassy City Church and he shared this story. It was about a boy at his church. Um, his name was Jonathan. He was like, I know pastors ain't supposed to have favorites, but don't, don't condemn me for saying this. Jonathan is my favorite person at my church. He said, when I get done preaching, Jonathan 
He comes and he just bear hugs me. And he don't even let go until I be like, all right, Jonathan, all right, Jonathan. And he was like, Jonathan has Down syndrome. And he was like, in Sweden, it's one of the most secularized places. And they do this test called the Cub Test, K-U-B. And, and it looks for birth defects within children before they're born. And 95% of mothers who find birth defects in their children are born. Yes. If you are somebody that's born with Down syndrome or something like that, you looked at somebody who should have never been alive. Wow. You looked at as somebody who don't even deserve a place in their society. But he said that they started 11 schools. Two of them were specifically for children with special needs. And Jonathan was one of the kids that was a part of one of those schools. And he said one day the teacher took Jonathan on a field trip. They went to the park. Um, and he went in the park and he started singing this song about this tree. He said, there once was an old tree that was 100 years old. And the teacher looking at him like, Jonathan, what got into you today? You just singing all out. She's like, but I ain't going to stop you. You happy. Go ahead and sing it. And so he began to sing this song loud. And in the midst of the square of the park. And then this lady comes up to the teacher and said, how does he know that song? And she like, I don't know. I've never heard it. Jonathan is just singing from his heart. And she said that she had prayed for the first time that day. She was going through depression and all these different things that she said, God, if you're real, help me to not end it today. She said, if you're real, give me a sign and let me hear my favorite song from my childhood. And that song was the song that Jonathan was singing. And to this day, they said, Jonathan has never been able to sing that song again. And they said, but the Holy Spirit was working through him. Jonathan, somebody that they said was dead. Somebody that didn't have no hope in this world. God had a resurrected faith to bring Jonathan to resurrect that lady out of her depression. And the thing I thought about, there once was a child who was born to a teen mother who was supposed to be assassinated. They said he wasn't supposed to live because the king didn't want him to live. Yet, he was born in the manger. And he went to the cross. And on that third day, he got up. On that third day, for somebody that didn't deserve it, he got up for us. So don't tell me what God can't do in a dead situation. God is looking at us saying, I have enough to resurrect what was thought to be lost. I have enough to give you purpose. I have enough to do more with less. So I ask you today, will you let that little boy that was supposed to be assassinated but grew up in a manger was born in a manger hidden from the king for a purpose such as this for us to be in this room for us to see miracles daily that even when we take it for granted he gladly took that meal to the side will you choose him today or will you choose the items that led you to death so when we ask today, can these dry bones live? Yeah. I want you to consider that. Yeah. Can these dry bones live yeah. again? Yeah. Oh, Lord God, oh, Lord God. Yeah. you know.
Once again, we thank you for rocking with us here at KOG, uh, Kingdom of God Ministries in Cincinnati, Ohio. We appreciate you and hope that you come back to listen to more sermons, more messages, and just be filled with the Word of God. Thank you.